Good morning, everybody. I guess y'all uh, may have noticed Michael singing here just now. I think that's the first time he's sung in a microphone. I'm not kidding. Yeah. <clears throat> so I've got a lot of courage now. I'm going to go ahead and do the same thing. <laughs> Next week, if you're here. Not really. Um, that would be bad. Hey, if you're a little guy, um, kid stuff is going on downstairs, so you can get going, run on down there. And if you don't want to hear me sing, you can also <laughs> go down there. So next week, uh, we have our baptism. And that's a pretty exciting thing here at Obi Joyful, uh, just for, for the most important reason that people are proclaiming their faith. They're sharing uh, with all of us who they are in Jesus and identifying him with being put under the water and brought out into new life. And so we're, I mean, it's just such a thrilling thing, but we get to do it out on the Slate River. So Gunsight Bridge out there, the new one, um, we get in a safe place. We don't like get in a torrent of, you know, and, uh, and, and do our baptism out there. So if you can be here, uh, if you want to be baptized, if you haven't uh, mentioned that yet, if you ha- it doesn't matter how old you are, um, let me know or one of our leaders, and we will connect you and get the ball rolling for you on that. So would love to have you be a part of that. It's a pretty, pretty neat deal. So right after church, next week, we go back to, as Tyler told you, one service. Uh, so um, it'll be after about you know, 45 minutes after that or hour. We'll, we'll just head on up there when, this, when people leave here. So looking forward to uh, seeing that happen. Well, all right. Uh, we're right in the middle of this series that we're calling Magnify. Uh, there's 10 of these. This is the fifth one. And what it is, if you haven't been here to hear, is that we're looking at different stories that circle around women in the scripture and seeing how they are following Jesus or following God, whether Old Testament or New Testament. And what is so cool is the every one of these stories, as I've said, every time I've been up here, you see how God is magnified in the life of these people. And so what I want to do is always just encourage you to think about how you identify with this person that we're going to talk about and what it is that they are doing to magnify the God of creation. How does that work out in our lives? And today we're going to look at someone, I'm going to call this person a new hero. And uh, that's what I I titled the the message in in my notes. Because uh, this is a person who uh, may not have been on our radar as a hero but I think Jesus is bringing to our attention as someone who is. This is a woman who is uh, being watched by Jesus and the disciples as she gives this offering at the temple, at the Hebrew temple. So uh, this is a a very unique space, um, and it's a place where there are multiple giving boxes, if you will, and all these people are migrating around through there doing their giving, and Jesus is kind of describing what's going on in the hearts of the people as they come to this moment. And he's pointing out this one woman, unnamed woman, as what I think is a hero for us. So here's the main point. Here's what I think maybe we could take away from this. There is nothing better than the deepest dependence on God. That's the principle I'm setting out, I think, is the theme behind this story. There is nothing better. There is nothing better that we can enjoy or experience than the deepest dependence on God. And that's what our hero is going to show us this morning. So I want to 
just challenge you with this, with this thought. I, I don't think you would be here in Christian Butte uh, when you could be outside or doing any number of other things unless deep in your soul what you really want is to be in a place of deep dependence on God. I don't, I don't think you would bother to be here. I mean, somewhere in us is that longing to have that, and we're all kind of running around the outside of that, dipping into it every now and then with our toe, but to experience what it would be like to totally depend on God, what would that be like? And this is, this is the place we find ourselves this morning as we're going to dig into the, this new hero. Uh, you know, the Avengers movies have surprised me. Like, for some reason, I like, I like the hero Ant-Man. Did you ever think you were going to think Ant-Man was great? No. Okay, maybe some of you, but I didn't think that. But I, they, this woman is so far off the radar of someone who would be a hero that it's, it's beautiful how God uses this interaction that Jesus has with his disciples to bring her to that level for us. So I hope that she impacts you like she has for me. So in three ways, as we move towards deepening our dependence on God, uh, we see one that our... Uh, our security is reset. Where our security is placed is reset as we depend on God. Secondly, uh, as we are depending on God, what comes to the surface for us as our heroes is someone new. We see a different kind of hero in our lives when dependence on God is what we're all about. And depending on God requires uh, full disclosure, full awareness of what we're getting into. So those are the points we're going to walk through. Security, our heroes, and awareness. So let's start with this idea of uh, resetting our security. So whenever Abby came up here and started reading this passage, and uh, everyone, so most people here, there's some of you who, who maybe have not come across the line of faith yet, but I'm, I'm going to guess that most of you have and you've been in church because you wouldn't be at the 830 service probably otherwise. Okay, um, At least in Texas, you would never have been at the 830 service. So um, here, though, uh, that may be different, but at any rate, uh, whenever you know money things are brought up in Scripture, and obviously this one has as a central focus this money situation, we're all wondering what's going to happen. You know, there's this uncomfortableness whenever we talk publicly, especially in church, about money or something like that. We're all like, "Oh gosh, what, how's this going to go down? Where are we going with this?" It, so, what that tells me is that money stuff just stirs us up. So if you're somebody in here who, when she read that passage, you're like, okay, yeah, you didn't think about that at all. Well, good for you. All right, you're, you're an exception. That's great. But like everybody else and myself, I'm like, oh, where are we going? What's happening today? It's these things stir us up, and money uh, is, you know, directly tied to our security. And so we know that. And I think maybe that's one reason it gets kind of prods us a little bit. But I really do think that this passage, this, this story that, that we're going to read about and study about, is not about this woman's financial decisions. Do you think it is? I mean, really? I mean, is that really what, what Jesus is about? I think, I think it's about something else. Yeah, I mean, the story is, has a theme of giving behind it. It's set in the treasury area, in the court of giving, if you will. And this is the, the theme behind what we're talking about. However, that's just on the surface. It's about 
something else. Money was the metaphor. Her heart was what Jesus was looking at. So, what she is going to do is she is going to put her full practical dependence on God. That's what's going to happen when she makes this little offering, or at least little to most of us. Uh, She's going to give up her security, at least for the rest of the day. I don't know if you noticed, but Jesus doesn't say, this is her monthly income, her annual income, or he doesn't give us some time period, which is how I think. Well, how long does that last? How long does that gift that she, you know, what is she really giving? Well, at least it's for the day, because Jesus says she's giving up her security for the day. Let me read from uh, verse 44 in the second part of that. He says, she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, everything, all she had to live on. This isn't about a percentage of her giving, of her income. It's not about all of her income. What it's about is who she depends on. So I did, you know, a few calculations and... In Crested Butte dollars, I think this is about 10 bucks because it's a fraction of what a common daily worker would earn in a day. Now, if you're paying a common daily worker to work at your house right now, you might think $10 is not even a fraction of what um, people get paid here. But 10, 15 bucks is, is what we might say is what she has put in there. A fraction of a typical daily wage, but Jesus says it's all of what she had to offer, at least for that day. And she goes all in with it, right? It's all she had, and she goes all in. And the more I've thought about it, the more I've just recognized how bold and courageous it was that she did that, you know? I mean, honestly, when I, when I think about who's my hero, I'm thinking bold and courageous, you know, in the face of, like, strife and trouble, Right? Bold and courageous. She's, she's all in with that. Do you remember uh, Mary from Bethany? We talked about her a few weeks ago. She's the sister of Martha. She's the sister of Lazarus. Lazarus is raised from the dead. It's the week before the crucifixion, but they don't know that's coming. They have a party for Jesus, and she breaks open this vial, and uh, like surreptitiously where nobody sees her do it, and she's like, I'm going to pour out this incredibly valuable vial of uh, ointment, perfume, you know, on Jesus and, and anoint him with it. And she thinks she's going to do it sort of secretly. But when she does it, the smell of the perfume goes through the whole house. And everyone's like, what did you do? Because they know what it is, right? Because good smells back then were like fewer and far between than they are here, right? So she breaks this thing open. And she thought she was doing this thing in secret. But everybody sees her and they're all like, you did that and that was wrong. You wasted that. You know, you should have sold it and given and you spent your, your resources poorly, right? You remember all that stuff happened in there? And then Jesus says to her, to them, he didn't say it to her. She's right beside him, apparently. And, and Jesus says, guess what? What she did was a beautiful thing. I mean, how did she feel when Jesus said, that is a beautiful thing? I mean, that goes to the top. It was bold and courageous for her to do that. And she gave this tremendous gift to him. She thought that gift was private, right? She thought she was going to break this open and do this thing, and suddenly it was exposed to all the people that were there. And, you know, it's sort of similar to this, this 
poor woman who's going up to this box. She thinks that what is happening is private. It's between her and God. She doesn't know that Jesus is right there pointing this out and that we're going to be talking about her 2,000 years later, right? What she did, her gift, her humility, her uh, bold courageousness in what she was doing was exposed at least to that little crowd of people right there. She didn't know that the one whom she was really honoring was right there. It's kind of cool to think about. Uh, both of these gifts were, were different from these two different women. You know, I think Mary of Bethany, when she gave this gift, um, it was worth a year's wage, right? So the common wage, whatever that was, would be multiplied out for the whole year, and, and this was a whole year's wage. Well, my guess is, and from other things we hear from these, this family, they had some resources. So this was a significant gift, right? Anything you have that costs that much is a significant gift. But she had other resources to depend on. So this woman who offers this, this like Jesus says, it's, too, it's worth a penny. The two things she gave is worth a penny in their day. Um, has a, a value that to him is a beautiful, beautiful thing for both of them, right? Jesus is pointing out both of them. What we see with this woman is that her gift represented a full dependence on her God. So her boldness to me shows me that she has made her God preeminent in her life. In other words, she has magnified God to the point where he is so all-encompassing, his majesty is so great, that for her to give that is okay. He's magnified above all other things. And so we see this magnification of God in her life like we see in so many of these stories. The, the gift was different for both of these women, but they're both proclaiming the same thing, dependence on God. So, depending on God is going to reset our security, and it's going to move us towards making him preeminent, right? To the point that all the other things that we're concerned about come up underneath him. So, we're going to reset our security. We're going to reveal and see new heroes. And this, this woman is this one. Uh, whenever Jesus points someone out for praise, I think we should pay attention. I mean, think about that. If he says, hey, guys, I want you to notice this, I think we should really pay attention. Let me read to you just how this gets set up in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 20, 43. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor woman, this widow, has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. So you got to picture Jesus, you know, they're, they're probably standing in a little group or sitting on a, you know, a little, some ledges or, you know, I don't know exactly, but he, he says, hey guys, check this out, right? I mean, they're just normal dudes, right? They're fishermen, right? Come on. You see that lady over there? I don't know if he's pointing, but... She looks different than everybody else, right? She's poor. She's a widow. She's probably been working really hard. Now, it's the comparison with her to the others is that there are these pompous people there that Jesus is drawing a contrast between her and them, and they are there to give and do things so that they can be noticed. This culture of appearances was very important 
in that day. And I don't think it's so much so today. Um, we don't give like that. It's not how things work uh, in our church culture today, our religious culture. But Jesus is pointing out to them uh, there is a great contrast both in appearance and what's happening inside these people as they approach this moment of giving. Well, I, I just, you know, it's probably not right, but I'm picturing this sort of Mother Teresa-looking lady. I, there's no telling. You know, really small and meek and, and all. And she may not have been, but she definitely was in contrast to all of these people, right? Easy to point out. Do you see that woman over there? See that poor woman? She's a widow. He says, she gave two coins. They're like, well, how, did you, how do you know that? She's over there somewhere, you know. And uh, then she's making her way out of the courtyard when actually Jesus points her out. So she's gone in there. She's probably not socializing with these people. And she's humbly bringing this gift to God. And Jesus is identifying as everything that she had. So some of the people in that space had gone to the point where they felt self-sufficient. Now, this is a great danger for me. I don't know about you. But, man, if I can write a check and take care of it, you know, when the bill comes and you're like, that's okay. You know, okay, y'all are like staring at me, but I know you know that feeling. (laughs) Like, yes, check, done. We love that. There's a certain uh, sense of security. But they had moved their their self-sufficiency had moved from just normal life for them to something bigger than it got mixed in with their faith. And so they were no longer, Jesus is pointing out, dependent on God, but they were dependent on their appearance and the kinds of gifts and the things that people thought about them, the ability to give that. Because he says they're giving out of their abundance, which we should do. We see that in other parts of the scripture. But their abundance was something that reflected that they were self-sufficient. But I wonder... You know, I wonder if that little woman, which I'm calling her little, she might not, she might have been six feet tall. What if she was giving out of abundance in her heart, right? Just because it was all she had doesn't mean she didn't feel like it was abundance. Do you see what I'm saying? See, Jesus knew her heart. And if she'd been giving grudgingly or to get something or to please God so you know, he would you know, respond well to her, because she surely had needs, right? She doesn't have people to depend on, right? And being a widow in that culture was a tough place to be, right? So she surely has needs. She's still giving this gift. Jesus knows her heart, and I don't think he would bring her up as a hero based on what they couldn't hear or see because he's telling them all that information. He would, she wouldn't have been in that place. He wouldn't have called her out for that if her heart wasn't in that spot, I think, of feeling like she was giving out of her own abundance. See, I think she may have had a bit of a better grip on reality, in other words, the size and majesty of who God really is than a lot of the people who are well-educated and walking around there and doing their thing and a part of that religious community. There's something very important for us in realizing how incredibly powerful, beautiful, um, all the things that, without making a giant list of who God is, right? When we recognize those things, it feels like any gift, any response with our gifts or any part of who we are 
to him seems like giving out of abundance. It's just natural. That's what we should do. It's what happens when we really recognize just, you know, those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, this God is amazing. You know, everything else gets so much smaller and so much easier. Uh, a few weeks ago, Tyler spoke. I don't know some of you were here. Anybody here for that? This may be a whole different group. <laughs> Tyler spoke, and he brought up an illustration of a, a friend of ours. He said uh, he, he, was, he was saying that God is so much greater that we, sometimes we get a glimpse of that idea. And his illustration was like um, when you come to this community, you might think you're um, athletic. And so you come, and then you find out that you're, you know, you're good friend. You're, you're like way like me, stuck in the middle. You know, you're just totally stuck in the middle all the time. Like friends are waiting up there. You're waiting for some friends, or you're never up in front. And so uh, he talked about this guy named Chad Olson. I don't know if Chad's in here, but I'm going to call him out too. I just got to use the same story. Ch- Chad said, "Scott, let's go train for the fat tire, the big, you know, the snow bike race." And I was like, "Okay, let's do it." He goes, well, we'll get up at, at 7 or something in the winter, and, we went, and we, we're going to ride to Irwin. We're going to do a four-hour ride. I'm like, okay. So we, we get there. It's, of course, like minus 400, and I'm totally freezing, and he's feeling good. And we get going, and we're riding up uh, Kebler over the snow. And he's just so far ahead of me. And uh, so he waits, and I catch up, and he waits, and I catch him. I go, hey, Chad, why don't you just come back to me and just keep pedaling? And he's like, okay, I'll do that. So he did. <laughs> And Chad did loops around me all the way to Irwin. All the way back, downhill. <laughs> and Chad will tell you, there are a lot of people in this town and around this world that can run, that do circles around him, right? If we could just get in touch with the magnitude of how incredible God is and be, have a sense, I think, that sense of awe that takes us to that place where I'm like, Chad, is, he's a great athlete. And Chad looks at the next guy and goes, or girl, and he says, that's a great athlete. You know, at some point, there's something out there that's so beautiful and magnificent and beyond what we can imagine that it makes everything we have seem so simple to hand off. So her gift wasn't big, right? It wasn't big. You know what was big? her God. That's what was big. So Jesus confirms her dependence on him is well-placed, right? So we depend on God, we reset our security, and we find that we have new heroes. And then finally, uh, if we're going to depend on God completely, 100%, deeply, then we've got to go in with our eyes open. We shouldn't be naive. Uh, We need to be aware of the cost of following him. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be dependent on me, there's going to be a cost. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult. It looks different for all of us, but it's going to be more difficult than you think. We become aware that we depend on a lot of stuff, a lot of different things, usually someone or something, something that for us is wealth. It doesn't have to be dollars. It could be a person. I'll just give a short list. It can be your abilities. It can be financial security. It can be your kids, family, career, experiences, your goals, your your adventure. But Jesus says, 
rather than depending on those things, depend on me. This is, this is the bold and courageous hero who depends on me. Here's another thing that I probably should say. When we're called into this committed relationship, this deeper dependence on God, and it impacts things that we value so highly, these, these pieces of the, the ladder of life that we put together, like our family and our financial resources and our abilities and our business and all that, and we get up on top of that thing. Uh, and then he calls us out and he says, hey, you need to reconsider that because following me isn't about that stuff. That stuff comes you know, as a blessing from knowing me. And then my tendency is to feel guilty. Like, I'm not like that lady. I'm more like the other dudes. So do I stink? Am I a cruddy Christian? You know? So I start to, that's where I go. I turn it into that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't want to read that story. So it makes me feel like junk. We know enough about who Jesus is to know that that's not the point. His, his point is not to make us feel guilty. His point is to his, drive us to the king, right? To understand who he is, to experience what it is to have a God that's so much bigger than the little bit that we have. That's what he's about, not making us feel guilty. That's, that's for some, that's something else. Men make that up. To depend on Jesus deeply is a significant commitment. We have to go in with our eyes open. Let me ask uh, our musicians to come back up, and I'm going to just close with this thought. I, there's no way to, I think, talk about this scenario with Jesus, with his disciples standing there in the temple without talking about what he has done for us, what Jesus sacrificed for us because of the value that he placed on us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Right? That's incredible value placed on people who tend to be more like the pompous ones wandering around being self-sufficient than this woman who Jesus wants to point out as our new hero. He went quietly like a lamb, remember? That we could be redeemed. And if that's true, is there really... Any part of my fleeting, temporary life that I can't offer to him in dependence on him. Father, I, I do ask, God, that you would help us to deeply consider what it means to follow you in a way that is, that, um, well, Lord, that looks like this woman. It's just uh, depending on you. God, for all of us, those, those things look different, each person in this room. But God, may we just walk in that for a moment with you and see where that is that you're calling.